0: My guest today is Alex Media. Alex is the producer and the editor for Andrew Schultz and has basically built his empire from scratch going from 2019 or 2017 to 2022. What made this conversation with Alex so interesting was he's sat in the room with some of the most powerful people in the world, whether that's Israel Adesanya, Joe Rogan, and Andrew Schultz himself, and he lives to tell the tale in, in this podcast. So I'm super excited to bring this conversation to you. This episode is brought to you by My First Million. This is my favorite podcast. It's two entrepreneurs who built companies, sold companies, and now they are. They talk about the latest in technology and business. And if you like this podcast, you'll probably enjoy that one as well. To find that, search My First Million on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen And enjoy. Alex, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Really grateful for you joining me because I followed the journey, followed the story, and in doing research for this conversation, I found out a lot about you, which I'm excited to talk to you about. Some good, some bad. (laughs) (laughs) No, but let's focus mainly on the good, but let's focus mainly on 2015. And so in 2015, you wrote, I was showing up as a fan, passing my business card out in the hopes of working with guys you admire. And then you wrote on Instagram, fast forward 2017, and I'm working on my favorite podcast, that being Brilliant Idiots. And that was just in two years. But I want to start the journey in 2015. What were you doing in 2015? In 2015, I was a court officer at
1: Manhattan Supreme Criminal Court. And um, editing was a hobby that I just did on the side. I would just do it with my – like mostly I would do it for my friends who – we would go on vacation. Everybody has their phones out. And I was I would tell them all to send me their videos and then I'll chop it up and make something dope for fucking Facebook or Instagram, whatever the case is. And so I never looked at it as a job. I was really just like, all right, nine to five is going to be my thing. And yeah. And then like the hobby, like people started to like compliment me on uh, the editing. And I was like, Oh shit, let me see if I can do it for like, you know, people with, like in the industry and people that I think are cool so I just started reaching out to people and like I was just dming everybody <laughs> but just people I fuck with but like uh there was a lot of dms <laughs> I have a lot of unanswered dms from
0: <laughs> a lot of people do you ever get to the point where you look back at people's dms and they hit you back up now and yeah. they're like oh yeah. shit did I mean to <laughs> yeah yeah that happens yeah. and then like I'll
1: catch it and I'll like uh <laughs> you know, like- I'll delete it just because so- <laughs> I'm like oh shit I was thirsty back in the day right <laughs>
0: But Sify Sounds was the first one to actually give you an opportunity, right?
1: Yeah, actually, Marissa Mendez. Marissa Mendez. Yeah, so Marissa Mendez, she was, I believe, she was an intern at Hot ninety seven at the time, wow. and so she was working at Hot ninety seven. Had a relationship with Saif. Um, I just reached out to her because, you know, I liked her social media presence. She like really lived her life authentically mm. in the public, and I didn't really see. Too many women doing that because you know how, you know the double standard with women. They, you know, they can't be as promiscuous. And this is like, fuck, fast. Uh, what six years ago, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. So, like, she was one of those. Like, she didn't give a fuck, and mm-hmm. I love that. I, I always gravitate to people that just don't give a fuck. Like, I'm going to do my thing. So I reached out to her about like, hey, can I edit some stuff for you or whatever. So I actually started working with her. And then through working with her is when I met Sife, And it was like very soon after, but that's when I met Scythe and started working with him.
0: And when you were reaching out to these people, what were some of the things that attracted you to the people you were reaching out to? I really just, whatever they were doing that
1: I liked. So for Marissa, for example, like I said, she just like, uh, once she was working at Hot 97. I'm a big hip hop fan. Hot 97 is like, that's the station of New York, especially at that time. And... um you know, the fact that she lived her life so authentic and organically, I was like, yeah, I want to work with you. Mm-hmm. Not even sure how I can help you in any way, but I was just like, I was just offering my help. I was like, hey, I know how to edit a little bit. Is there anything, you know, you need or can I just work with you? I was just
0: really throwing it out there like that. And we'll cover the journey, but like when you reflect back on those early days, and see like how far you've come on your in your bio, director and editor for Netflix special, you know directing and editing comedy specials as well, yeah. owning this studio. Like, how does it feel to know where you started and to think about yourself it's in surreal. this
1: moment? It's Really surreal. Never thought, <laughs> never thought this would happen. Like, I really wasn't even thinking that far. I was, I was like in the moment and. I kind of just wanted to do dope shit. <laughs> like, so I was really, I, I didn't have like a five-year plan. I just was like, hey, I want to work with people I admire and I think are cool. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's interesting because you, when I was doing research for this, I found out you were in nursing school yeah. and you were going to become a nurse, but then something inside of you said, I don't want to take care of somebody and not give my full heart to yeah. them and how that would feel on you. Yeah. So it's like. It's always been the desire within you to be like, all right, I need to do something that lights my heart up. And exactly. so like what what would you say to people who who are doing things that they don't like doing in order to get a check or to just help themselves in yeah in, in some capacity?
1: Honestly, it's really tough because yeah. like I was there for a long time. Like yeah. I was jumping around from job to job, career to career, and it was, like you said, trying to find something that like, I, w- I felt lit up, I felt passionate about, it, and I felt happy doing. Mm. Um, and like, even when I was able to step away from law enforcement to the career that I'm doing now, it wasn't like a quick leap. It was like, I was doing it for many years, doing both for many years, like barely sleeping, <laughs> and like like ditching jobs sometimes, like calling out sick and that type of stuff. So yeah, it it wasn't until I got to the point where I was like really able to sustain my lifestyle where I could leave my nine to five. And so when people, and I get asked that because like people hear my story sometimes and they're like, "Yo, I want to do what you did. And I was like, find your passion, but don't leave your, don't leave <laughs> security. Like you, you really have to plan it out. Um, you have to get good enough where it's like, you can do your passion as a career because sometimes passions don't pay. Mm. And it's like, yes, I think everyone should be happy. But at the same time, you also have to think about your future and like, you know, starting a family and kids and stuff like that. You got to be able to provide for yourself.
0: When did you realize you were good enough?
1: Still haven't. And that's an honest, still haven't. Like I have the imposter syndrome that's something i suffer from a lot like i have social anxiety like you know, the gamut but um i love what i do and if someone's not complaining i think i did a good job where does that's, the imposter syndrome come from because i almost stumbled into this mm. like it was that so many people that they go to school for this they have dreams of being director, editor, things like that their entire life. And, like, me, it kind of – it just happened. So I'm like, damn, do I even deserve this? Is like – does this person deserve it more than me? And then, like, then when I get in rooms with some big people, I'm like, oh, shit, you did that, 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 and I just am starting to do this. So it's like, yeah, that, that – it kind of affects me at times. But then I also am one of those people that, like, I just – live my life that everything's meant to happen. Mm. So it's like, I kind of just trust in the process. Mm. So like things that aren't meant for me, they're not meant for me. And when things are, when things happen, it's like, I'm ready for this thing to happen.
0: Talk to me about the social anxiety because so much of your life is social. You're literally, (laughs) you're literally on flagrant. You're talking to people. You have to talk to people. It's part of the job, owning the studio, part of the job Mm. to talk to people. How do you operate in the world with social anxiety and and what are the most troubling parts of that? So like
1: I hate being in big groups. I hate when I, if I'm in a big group and like all of a sudden the attention's on me, like mm. sweating, everything, it's bad. Like I, I wanted to do stand-up. Like right now I have my profile picture on IG is me on the stage of the Comedy Cellar mm-hmm. because that was really what I wanted to do when I was back in college mm-hmm. and then I tried to do uh, one of those like you know the it was like a bring em sets like you would have to like bring two friends and then they would uh, let you get on stage and shit like that so it's like I just grabbed two people from college it, it was an empty room there was maybe like five people in the room I got on stage was there for probably less than five minutes and I just was like, can't do it. Wow! I was like shaking, sweating, everything that I wanted to say like completely left my head. <laughs> like it was, it was horrible. And it was just one of those things. It's like, all right, this doesn't feel good. This might not be right for me. Mm. And so I just pivoted. I'm like, I still love comedy. So let me reach out to comics and see how I can still work in the realm and world of comedy without actually doing the thing that I wanted to do.
0: Yeah. So I want to like push back on that initial thought Mm. because I think a lot of people do something for the first time and it doesn't feel comfortable and they have the idea of it's not for them, but then like the, the real growth happens after 90 days of doing the thing that's uncomfortable. And and I'm sure the first time you've edited something on video, it wasn't amazing. Just maybe no one was judging it initially. Trash. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Pure garbage. And so sometimes the things that we we actually want, we need to give them time to grow, but mm. sometimes we're so in our head about it that mm. it, it's hard to actually grow because you're like, well, I just got judged by my two friends and I got judged by these people in the audience and this is hard, right? Yeah. So I would
1: agree with you and so much so, like at this point, like you said, I'm on flagrant, I'm talking in front of quite a lot of people each week. But when those situations happen, I forget the cameras are there. Right. It's I'm just in the room just kicking it with my friends. And that's the only way I'm able to do it. And it's taken six years to get to that stage because yeah. I've always been the guy in the back. Like I was never in front of the camera. You would always hear me. And there was a time where they wanted me to be on camera and I've refused it. Wow. Because I was like, the moment you put a camera in front of my in front of my face, I'm going to freeze up. I'm going to clam up and I can't be myself. Wow. So it's like I turned it down for a really long time and then um yeah it was just slowly like you said doing it more and more and more and more i got comfortable with it so now i'm okay doing that one particular thing and i do think that if i try to get on stage now i'd be much better mm. i'd be much more comfortable but it's no longer a passion it's no longer something i want to do so it's like i'm not going to try to force it now because it's like i'm loving what i'm doing right now
0: yeah yeah it I go and I watch some of the videos and I look through some of the videos of Flagrant last night, just looking through the views 13 million, 4 million, 2 million 2, These are like full stadiums of people who have seen you <laughs> yeah, and who are. <laughs> that sounds crazy. I, but it's the truth and we don't Holy often stop to think shit. about it. <laughs> it's like, imagine. Um, Holy shit. Imagine like all of New York City, like, is 8 million people, I believe. So all of New York City has seen you in a video. You know what you're doing? I'm feeling flushed right now. <laughs> like, that's what you're doing to me right I, now.
1: Thank you for that.
0: <laughs> so the reason I, I say that is not to make you uncomfortable, but to show you about how far you've come without even realizing it yeah. or, like, putting it in, in those terms. Yeah, I try not to put it in those terms <laughs> so I can continue doing it. <laughs> but, like, you've
1: overcome it, and that's pretty incredible. Yeah, to an extent, yeah. But, like, I still... um like a social setting like a bar or a networking event and stuff like that like a networking event is is like hell for me mm. because it's like now the purpose of this thing is to go and speak to strangers and it's the most uncomfortable situation for me to be put in. but it's like hey, it's gonna help my career. I might meet the right person, you know a network that leads to something so it's like fuck force I got to do this and like I forced myself to do it. A little liquid courage helps, but um yeah, so it's it's I've learned strategies to overcome it. And like I've also I kind of view it as a bit of a weakness and something that holds me back, so I'm like fuck this. I need to get over this. Like I I need to overcome this thing because it's like an obstacle that I've created in my mind that like you know, hinders everything that I can possibly get out of life
0: take me through the setup when you're going on flagrant and you're meeting a stranger who you might not know who might be famous or might not be Mm. what what's your mindset like when you're about to record and while you're recording
1: Mm. so it's taken me a while to like really I guess like find my voice Mm. um because I'm not like um media trained I've not a comedian like i i wasn't planning on doing this so it was a while of like before in the early stages like people just knew my laugh Mm -hmm. (laughs) because that was it i wouldn't chime in that much because i would be so in my head i'm like uh let me not say something let me not try to joke because if i try to joke in front of these three great comedians and it's not funny i'm gonna get bombed so it's like and then I started just being more comfortable just being myself. And I now I know like the expectation for me to be as funny as let's say Andrew is not there. And I'm comfortable knowing that. And so I can sit in this room and be myself. And I grew up in New York in not the best neighborhood. Like I'm a bit rough around the edges. Mm -hmm. You know, I've grown up a bit. I'm not like a knucklehead like I used to be, but I'm still a bit rough around the edges. So it's like I bring that into the podcast. Like I ask the questions that the things I want to know about, even if it's not the most flattering to the guests. And it's like, I'm sorry, but I want to know this. And this, I'm never going to get an opportunity to actually this again or bring this up again. And so that's just, yeah, <laughs> I've kind of been finding my voice and this has actually been something fairly recent.
0: I I was gonna say I listened to the episode with Israel Adesanya, yeah, and I was so impressed by the way you were able to communicate to him your admiration for what he's done for you. Oh man! And I was really touched by that, and I was saying, "Oh my, oh my God!" Like, Alex is a speaker, and Alex giving his heart is not something I would have expected a year ago or two years ago oh, yeah, from watching Flicker.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was like it's really I would say within like this last I would say probably six months I'm really finding my voice and i'm so comfortable being myself like i got paint on my nails this is something i would have never done a year ago even if i wanted to do it i would have been worried about like what people think and shit like that or basically more worried about the jokes that would happen on the podcast Mm -hmm. but now it's like fuck you guys i don't care what you say like i'm good and i'm also okay showing emotion like Mm. that when i i spoke from my heart when I was speaking to him and I even got emotional, like, like saying that. And then it's like, so what? I'm a grown ass man. Men cry too. So it's like, I, I don't care if a stadium full of people are watching me cry, but fuck it. It's like, I'm just going to be myself in this moment. And I think, uh, I respect that of people. So I just like to show, uh, I like to conduct myself in the things that I admire about others.
0: What's it like to admire someone like Israel Adesanya in particular and get to tell him that to no. his face? Oh man, I'm, I'm blessed. Like
1: to be where I'm at, I feel blessed every day and I'm thankful for, you know, every the people who have given me the opportunities to be in some of the rooms and the positions that I'm in. Like none of this would be possible without Andrew Schultz. Like he's, he's the man. And But I've also worked hard to be here. It's not like I was just given this. Um, And yeah, man, I I don't take it for granted at all. Like, I I really like to give people their flowers and tell them how I feel about them, even if it's on or off camera. Like, I take that opportunity to do that because it's super important. And like, shit, we live in New York. People drive crazy. Like, I can leave here and die. So I'm like, you know what? I just want everybody to know how I feel about them, you know? When I can,
0: when yeah. I can tell. hundred percent. So a lot of people who listen to this are wanting to work with their favorite creators in some respect. Mm-hmm. And you've helped Andrew Schultz, I believe, starting in 2017 to 2022, build his platform into an empire, basically. Mm-hmm. So what advice would you have for somebody who is trying to work with their favorite creator? What are the things that they should do? What are the steps that they should take? uh initially
1: for me i think it was the willingness to outwork everyone Hmm. because andrew schultz is a fucking workhorse this guy doesn't stop like and and that shit drives me because i'm like yo he's working harder than me fuck that like no i'm staying up later than you i'm gonna impress you by this clip i'm gonna like so that was that was really the thing in the beginning like me and him we were just like we wanted it so bad to like just make a mark because he had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because like he's been trying to be a comic for the longest and people aren't giving him his due. I recognize how funny he was from the get. Like I used to see him at the cellar even before I was working with him. And I was like, this guy's fucking funny. How's nobody talking about him? So it's like, um like it was his. Uh, goal or it was his idea to like put out clips. And I was like, Oh, this is perfect. Like we are going to change. I didn't know we were going to change the game, but I knew we were doing something different in a way that no one else has done it. And I was going to work as hard as I could to do
0: that. And so what advice, like what are the the practical steps somebody should, should take if they're trying, if they see a creator they love or a comedian they love or a person that they love, what should they do? So what i wish
1: i would have done is know exactly what i can offer Mm. um i got lucky that andrew took a chance on me and this was (laughs) i don't know not too many people know of this story but so alex is not my real name i it's uh just a name i go by because i was in social i mean i was in law enforcement at the time and so i didn't want those two worlds colliding and The name I picked, Alex Anderson, was a comic that Andrew knew. And so for the first two weeks we were talking on DM, he thought he was talking to his friend.
0: That's hilarious. Yeah.
1: So I don't know if he ever would have read my DM (laughs) had I not used that fake name. But I say all that to say it's like I was like just like, hey, can I help without actually having something to offer, Mm. like uh, an intrinsic thing to offer? and. I get that now a lot in my DMs of people like, yo, I want to work at you. I want to work at you. And I was like, oh, what do you do? And then they don't have a response to that. And then they're like, well, you know, I'm a hard worker. I'm down to do whatever. And it's like, people don't need someone to just be down to like do whatever or just be happy to be there. We need specific like skill sets. So I would say know exactly what you have to offer Hmm. and have it ready to show. So, like say if you're an editor have some clips to show if you're uh if you make music have some music to show the person like and then once given the opportunity don't blow it because mm-hmm. i've given opportunities to people and it's like they'll show up late or they show up hungover or like or they take long to get like the work back to me and i'm like bro this is your shot like yeah. when andrew gave me a shot i was there early I didn't leave until after he left. And the moment I got home, I was already working. I used to, he used to make fun of me because it's like, I have a Tesla and I would have the Tesla drive, like drive itself. And I'm editing on the (laughs) wheel because it's like, nah, I'm turning this shit around right now. And I'm going to get this clip back to you like ASAP. So it's like, you got to have that drive to, I think those, those would be the three uh, things I like, uh, what's the word?
0: It's great advice. Yeah, the advice I would give. Yeah. yeah, and the thing is, it's funny because there's so much similarity between Russ and what you're talking about, which I know Russ has impacted oh, Andrew's yeah. method and of doing a clip a week yeah. and putting that out initially. And the idea that no one's going to care as much as you as the artist mm. really left a, a big impre- imprint on me. And But it seems like, from my perspective, that you cared about Andrew's success as much as your own yeah. in the sense of you're doing the work that night and getting him, getting him the podcast that they just filmed that night or the following morning. Like I, I heard stories about that over and over again when I did research for this. Mm. And it just showed me how much you cared about him oh, and yeah. his success. Why did you care so much?
1: One, um, because I knew he was one of the best mm. before the world knew it. I wanted the world to to know it, Mm -hmm. and the fact that he was giving me a chance when I didn't even know if I deserved it yet, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm not going to disappoint you. And like when we sat down, I was already working with him for a couple of years, but this was still when I was doing both. I was law enforcement and half time doing editing, and then he's like, yo, things are ramping up. And I've really like, we had a sit down talk. I remember it was in like my car after I got off uh, the law enforcement job one day. And like, we were saying, like, yo, we need to take this to the next level. And it's like, in order to do that, I'm gonna need you full time or whatever. And like, we spoke about what's the goals and uh, like, you know, job entail and all that type of stuff. And I'm like, my goal is making the world know you're the best fucking comic in the world. That was my goal. Like, because I'm not trying to be the guy. And that's like people on your team, you need the people on your team that aren't trying to be the guy or the girl, they want to elevate the guy. Mm-hmm. And if you have that, those types of people on your team, which he does like, and I think I was the first one. And then he's used that in terms of his hiring process to bring other people that our sole goal is to make this man a king Mm. and it's like he is super gracious at the same time so it's like you you don't feel like you're being used or whatever the case is it's like you're like yo he appreciates me he involves me in everything that he's doing he gives me credit when people don't even have to give credit it's like mentioning you on rogan yeah like (laughs) how how could you not be happy to work with or devote yourself to a person like that 100%. And like devote yourself sounds crazy,
0: but you know what I mean. A hundred percent. And so now you're in the position where, what, when was that uh, initial meeting of like, yo, we got to take this full time. Do you remember around what date that is? I don't remember. It's probably like
1: twenty,
0: early 2018, probably. Okay. Early 2018. And now... In a completely different place. Or early
1: 2019, because it was after I got locked up
0: in yeah. <laughs> Oh, the Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole other story. Yeah. Early, early 2019 to 2022, two different um, places in culture, in society, in terms of fame, I'm sure in terms of money, in terms of notoriety. How has that changed at all, the dynamic that exists between you guys of... All the success.
1: Well, for starters, this guy's a megastar now. <laughs> like you can't even walk down the street in New York with him anymore. Like he has to stop for pictures and everybody's yelling. It's fucking crazy how things have like blown up since we first started. Um but yeah, I think it's it's a balance of both of us. Like I really respect how he has grown and is handling his like stardom. Like he's in movies now and shit, like it's crazy. And then I also think he respects, and I don't wanna speak for him, but I do think he respects the things that I'm doing. Cause like I was able to build something like this and this all the skills I had to build this was from working with him. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, he, he, I put this shit together myself, used every dollar in my savings, But I still like he's a major part of this room right here. So it's like it's and I think the two of us just have mutual respect for each other, and both proud of one another, like for where we started to where we're at today. So when
0: you say this, you mean WTF Media Studios? Yes, and I I want say that more. No, I I just want to explain to people who might not be aware built these studios basically with Wheezy and. You now have a location. You have two studios in New York. You have a location Los Angeles. Yes. And it's only been two years. Yeah. Right? Like you've done a lot in a year short and a amount half. of time. Yeah year and a <laughs> half. There you go. How do you how do you come up with the idea? And how do you reflect on the journey now a year and a half later with how far you've gone and how many lives and podcasters you've impacted as a result? Oh man, this is like
1: one, this place is the the thing I'm most proud of because like it has made me feel so good about myself and it's also impacted so many people, but I, I came up with the idea of this. So pandemic 2020, everyone's in their house. Um, my life all of a sudden is like slowed down drastically because I was traveling with Schultz every single weekend to every single show, filming every single show, editing every single show. And then also doing the podcast. So it's like we had a system in place where it's like it's a well oiled machine and I'm always moving, always working. So then when 2020 happens and we can't tour anymore, like now we're sitting at home. Yes, we're still doing podcasts and we kind of ramp that world up, but I have a lot more time on my hands. And it's like I don't like being like stagnant and like not working. Like I like working and it, it you know, it fuels me. So, I don't know how necessarily the idea of the studio popped into my head. It was something that I actually wanted to do even before I started working with Schultz because I bumped into him at this uh, electronic store called B&H in the city. Uh, And this was before I started working with him. We just happened to bump in and we were buying the same exact thing. We were buying this video switcher that I have in this room. And this was a video switcher. People weren't even using them for podcasts yet. People were. And like, I just came up with the idea. I'm like, yo, Um, sports news they're able to cut to cameras and this shit is live i'm like why can't there's a way to uh make podcasting more efficient and we both were in the same place for this to buy the same thing (laughs) like shit just happens and it's like kismet it's fucking crazy so yeah so i kind of had the idea back then of being a podcast producer and like having a place to do it but then once stuff started ramping up, I, like, forgot about the idea. So then 2020, now I have this time on my hands. I was like, oh, shit, let me pick this back up. And, bef- and I wasn't even thinking about a studio. I was more so thinking about, like, having a all-in-one kit that I can travel places and have a podcast set up wherever I go. Because I'm a one-man band. Like, I can do it all myself. I've had to do it all myself. So... That was, the, that was the thought first, but then I'm like, oh, but I can't even travel, it's COVID. And I was thinking that because I was like, people can't go places, so I can go to them and set up and whatever. And then um, I started hearing that commercial space was super cheap because everybody was leaving the city. And I was like, holy shit, I can be in Soho, New York for this price? Wow. And so, yeah, it just fucking clicked. I, was, I spoke to Weezy about it, and Weezy thought it was an amazing idea, and then it clicked to me. I was like, I need you because I'm the quiet guy. I can do all this stuff. But in terms of marketing, branding, getting the word out there, that's not like I can can do it for other people. For myself, I'm not my biggest mascot. So yeah, I brought her on and it was like the perfect pairing because like she's great at business great at marketing great at branding great at networking great, like and she's a personality already in the space so i was like oh it makes perfect sense i'm the behind the scenes guy you're the in front of the camera girl like perfect and we're best friends so it was like it was like a match made in
0: heaven as you're talking about all this i can't help but think you were just like producing a Netflix special yeah. as well as doing flagrant. Like you had a, a full workload for one person and then you're opening up a studio yeah, too. Yeah. Did you ever stop in that moment to be like, I'm doing two people's jobs or I'm going like, like did it feel like it was a lot of work at that time or just felt like this is what you were supposed to be doing it in that moment? In, like
1: when I reflect now, yes. But in the moment, no. Mm. When I get like in the zone on something, it's like, it's go time. Wow. And I, I just love that mode. I love being in that zone where it's just go time. Like we were shooting a Netflix special and then I would leave there and come here and stay up to like four or five in the morning building this studio. Then I would get a few hours of sleep right back to it. Like and I had I saw nothing wrong with that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> sometimes you have to put in. that's why you get the 7 p.m call (laughs) sometimes you put in incredible levels of work and and it shows in a pace when you when i was doing research for this i also heard you the way you hire people is pretty unusual by normal people standards in a good way from my perspective okay of like you just go based on energy no resume no no qualifications just like how's your energy yeah so Like, how do you get the idea to do that? And what have you learned from that, this experiment, I guess? Because I can't go to Hollywood.
1: Well, maybe now I have a few more credits. But (laughs) when I was first starting, if I showed somebody my resume, I wouldn't get hired for anything in entertainment. I had no work I can show them. I had no training, no skills, but I was a hard worker and I was good at what I did. And so... I like I have a sore spot for that. I was like, yo, if you're a good person who works hard and you're like, you know, excited about what you're doing, that's the person I want. Mm -hmm. I don't need the person who went to school for this. I don't need the person who's just looking at this as like just a stepping stool to get on to the next shit. Like I want somebody who actually cares about what they're doing because it's like, hey, this is my baby. Like, you know, it's almost like if you have a baby. Who do, you, who do you want to babysit? You want the one that's just there for the check or you want the one that loves fucking kids? So it's like that's... And then hiring based on energy, it's like, hey, if I feel good about you, you're hired. Mm. And so far, knock on wood, it has worked beautifully. Like I get along with everybody here. We shout out the wolf right now in the building. Like This guy, I met him through Wheezy because I think he was working with uh, Horrible Decisions. Weezy's and, podcast yes Weezy's podcast and like his energy is just super dope and like now the world is starting to see how dope his energy is like mm-hmm. i hear so many of the fucking so many of the clients that come on here just like yo you, like, wolf is so dope like and then they have him on as a guest and i'm like yo that's fire yeah that's super fire because it's like it's, i just noticed something in you early and i'm like yo i need you here working with me
0: yeah it's Something that I think makes a studio special, and I'm so grateful for all my time recording here because whenever... Before an episode or after, I always feel my cup is full because of the producer working, whether it's Wolf or Yomi mm-hmm. or T. I feel like a sense of connection to them, and that speaks to your ability as a hiring manager and also their ability as, as just good souls that emit good energy. Mm-hmm. What would you say to somebody who isn't in a place of good energy themselves? Like, how does somebody... Get better energy.
1: Shit. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I like... Well, I well let me ask could. you a
0: better question, maybe. What... Were there any periods of, in your life when you didn't feel like you were emitting good energy?
1: Oh, absolutely. I would say the majority of my life now.
0: And so I would say yeah. today, from every, all my interactions with you, both virtually, online, and in person like you emit very good energy today Mm. but you're saying at one point you didn't yeah so what was is there a transition point for you where you're like wow like at this point i was emitting better energy in general to the people around me yeah so
1: i think um it started the change started in college you know i started like finding myself i used to be one of those like and I'm still I'm like I like trying new things I I just go for it so I went through the stage of like the skateboarder kid the jock the the nerd like I went through all the stages hung out with all the little cliques or whatever just like just trying to find myself and who I am and so in college I'm starting to find myself and then after college um um you know I'm traveling a lot more and I'm seeing just more cultures and that's just making me my understanding of the world and people that grew Hmm. and then i have to really thank therapy Hmm. i started doing therapy and that was that helped me like change the way i think because i was i was resentful and holding on to certain things that i had no business holding on to and it's like therapy just taught me ways of like how to deal with that And once you learn how to deal with things that you don't even know necessarily they are problems. Like I was stressed and I didn't know I was stressed. Mm. I thought that was just life. Like I thought that was a way of being. Like I thought everyone felt that way. And I was like, oh shit, all that time I was stressed. And I was like stressed to the point, like I had like crop circles in my hair. I had uh, alopecia areata and it was like stress induced. And I thought I was like, oh, I just have some genetic shit. I thought that's just me. Mm. And then it's like, now I'm not stressed full head hair (laughs) like yeah it's fucking crazy so yeah um i think it's uh i would say therapy helped getting to the place that i am now and then um uh traveling traveling helped a lot
0: Mm. yeah and i think those are all definitely true and i would also add to it the being around the people who inspire also, you also that yeah. it has to be that that rubs off on you in some oh, way definitely like um the people that you admire
1: you start seeing all the similarities that they have mm-hmm. and i'm like oh shit i need to implement more of that in my life and it's like that 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 was because i see andrew schultz Charlemagne the god wheezy like all these people that i admire they are workhorses they don't complain a lot mm. they like if something's wrong they just find a way to get it done me i used to have that the complain mentality I was like why is this not going the way that it's supposed to and now i'm like oh shit it's not going the way let's figure out a workaround like now it's never on some on woe is me shit it's always like oh shit something's not right let's fix it let's find a way to fix it
0: yeah yeah so i want to go through some people you mentioned a couple that i want to go through sure And I want you to give me a sentence or a paragraph on these people, how they've impacted you or what your perspective or thought is on them. How does that sound? Sure. A little bit of a lightning round. Yeah, okay. Uh, Charlemagne the God. Charlemagne the God. Um, He has
1: inspired me to be okay with being myself. Charlemagne, his growth... He used to be, like, a shock jock that would say wild shit, and today you wouldn't even know. Like he And it still says wild stuff, but it's like you can tell it's not with the intentions of, like, hurting or dissing or whatever. And then also his growth on going to therapy, being a better man. Like, to do that growth in the public eye, like he's, he was already uber famous, and to have to do that growth Growth in the public eye. I'm like, wow! I don't know how you did that. You're a strong motherfucker, bro. And like, they, I, so much inspiration from that. Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. Okay. Um, I've been around him a few times. We've been to dinner. Humble. Mm. He is the probably the biggest podcaster in the world. You wouldn't know it if you're around him like this guy is just like super cool talks to everyone in the room uh make sure he makes eye contact gives you a good handshake um we'll go out to dinner like he and he's not like flexing but it's just like he's like come on guys get anything you want it's not like you know how there's the rule like say if you're at a group dinner if somebody's paying you make sure not to get the most expensive thing on the menu he'll be like no if you want the most expensive, like get it and i'm like yeah, like you don't have to be this good <laughs> and it's like and his platform has like helped so many people elevate themselves like he doesn't have to give this a look but he does it and he's touched so many people and helped so many people
0: yeah. mm. mark gagna oh
1: mark this is a child prodigy yeah i really i i look up to mark he and he's what maybe six years younger than me um this kid is sharp man he's sharp he's funny as fuck like really funny as fuck and it almost it's like he has every tool in the deck like he doesn't have a weak point whatever he wanted if he wanted to leave comedy right now and become a lawyer he'd be the best fucking lawyer like it's one of those things i shit just watching him grow up and like the things he learns or the things that he's passionate about, and then he'll learn every single thing about that passion. Mm. It's fucking amazing to see, yeah. Mr. Beast. Oh, Mr. Beast. Um, Honestly, that was the first time meeting him when he was on this show. He's one of the soup like sometimes uh, they get fixated on something. It's great that his fixation was what he's doing right now yeah. because it has... He is the biggest YouTuber right now. Like, he, I think he just passed uh, PewDiePie, somebody. PewDiePie, I PewDiePie. Think. Yeah. yeah. So he's the biggest YouTuber in the world. Yeah. Because he has one soul focus, uh, like Steadfast, and boy, is, he's a beast. Like, his name is <laughs> fitting. Yeah. yeah.
0: Who's the guest from Flagrant that you think is most underrated or underappreciated for what the podcast has done?
1: Oh, that's a good one. Oh, who's somebody that...
0: Because what often happens, people ask me, who's your favorite guest? Who's your favorite guest? But like shine some light on someone who didn't get the appropriate shine or or maybe you think it's just an underrated or underappreciated person in general.
1: Huh. And you know what? The, this is the first that comes to mind and the two of them are fucking killing it but Andrew Sentino and Joe Coy hmm. they're killing it. Their podcast is doing great. Their stand-up doing great. They're in movies. So it's not that they're necessarily underappreciated but boy are they they're some killers bro. Like they are so fucking funny and they're so sharp and just to see their like improv and their wittiness like see it up live it's a crazy thing to see it it, like it kind of it reminds me of like uh like Jesus and marrow in their glory days of how good the chemistry is and how quick and witty they are with the funny like i i think those two need to be like you gotta put them in like the best pod best comedy podcast like duo of all time type shit wow Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah okay Well, speaking of underappreciated, I think like you're one of the most underappreciated people on flagrant and just in the whole ecosystem of media Mm -hmm. because you have done so much, but you don't do it with the sake of getting credit yourself. You do it for other people. And because of that, you've started to get the shine and what you've given to the world has seems like has come back to you. So I just want to end this conversation with some appreciation for you oh man thank you and I, it comes from the heart and <laughs> thank a, you and thank you for for showing um the people what you're all about but i'd like to end these podcasts also with the challenge for people okay because you listen to a podcast but then you take something from it and do something with the things that we spoke about so i'm curious from your perspective is there a challenge that comes to mind for becoming the best version of yourself Ooh, um, one
1: thing that I am working towards right now is trying to get over my fear of failing. So I hesitate to execute. Mm. Um, it's, It's a bit easier for me to do it when I'm doing it for somebody else, because it's like, oh, I think I know what's, The best thing I can do for that person. But when it's for yourself, it's like, it's a bit harder. Like, there's like certain projects I wanna work on, there's like a TV show I wanna make, and it's like putting pen to paper and writing. I'm like, damn, I don't know how good of a writer I am, like all these things. And so it's like, I'm just procrastinating or finding excuses not to just like do it and start it. And so that is the challenge that I have for myself and the challenge that anyone listening, like, hey, if you are, are afraid to execute because you're afraid to fail, work on getting over that.
0: Yeah. Love that. What's been the hardest thing you've done in your career? Um, um, huh.
1: Probably finding... <laughs> finding the balance of, like, work and personal, Mm. it's been a little difficult. And it's, like, now I'm definitely managing it better because, like, I actually schedule in personal time. Before, I used to just be work, 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 and that's what fulfilled me. It's, like, if I wasn't working, I'm, like, what am I doing if I'm watching TV? It's, like, oh, I'm just wasting my life, you know? And so now it's, like, I schedule in time to, you know, enjoy the fruits of my labor. And yeah, finding that balance, it's taken me a while, but I'm getting there. I'm getting better at it. What do you do in that scheduled time usually? Um just anything I enjoy. So it's like, you know, uh go on, you know, say, take my girl out on a date, mm. um, uh go to the movies um exercise i definitely like that's super important scheduling exercise regularly um yeah just like simple things that everyone kind of does normally i'm just like
0: oh i gotta like pencil this in (laughs) so i make sure to do it (laughs) it's understandable with the amount of workload that you put out there and the things that you do so listen i'm so grateful for you where can we send people to connect with you further Oh, um, you can just follow me
1: on social media, all social media. It's Alex Media, Alex with two X's. And yeah, just watch some of my content. But don't remind me how many people are watching. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's it. Alex Media, thank you so much. You're the man. Oh, man. Thank you so much.